This is Lovely Hurling, brought to you in association with Zest Active, your daily super supplement. Get it back to Dan Shanahan. Shanahan in front of the goal, puts it over the bar. Hi, how are you? We're back again. Welcome to episode 3 of Lovely Hurling in association with Zest Active, your daily super supplements. I'm Anthony Nash and with me as always is Dan the Man Shanahan. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Zach Moradi, a man with one of the most fascinating stories in all of our sport, let alone hurling. Dan, how are you? How was the weekend? Did you get a chance to watch the Euros? Busy weekend, Anthony. Yeah, um, not much to So I was able to chill out and watch the all Euros Sunday evening. What a game. Um, credit the Italians, by they're fantastic. There's uh, obviously age is now is only a number Anthony with Kalini and Bucini between thirty seven and thirty five, so there's a bit of hope for us yet, boy. <laughs> yeah, I know the fair two of them are some beasts, aren't they? Jeez, there was some pressure on the English fans. Some pressure from the English fans on the players with all the antics beforehand, wasn't there? There was, to be honest with you, and that's why maybe people don't like the English that much with the antics beforehand. But again, watch the game. I thought England set back, to be honest, with no expert in soccer now, but um I would have played a bit, but again, I thought um when the Italians got the goal, the way they passed the ball around and Look, England have gone come come on leaps and bounds with their players. They have the underage, what their work they've done underage in England has come true, and they'll be thereabouts again for the World Cup. But again, it was Italian's day, Italy's day, and I'm absolutely delighted for Mancini. He's um, I think there's 38 games unbeaten. Anthony. Wow, that's so 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 unbelievable for an Italian team to go on and win that it was unreal. We might be we might be kicked off the air, I know, for talking about soccer and a hurling show like with a couple of the older listeners, so we might we won't open up Crow Park again just yet. <laughs> Come here. Um not much not, not not much hurling at the weekend the senior level. Big game for, for uh Leash and Antrim to be fair, no, and Leash staying up in the Lee McCarthy, which is massive for him and Cheddar as well, because I suppose Cheddar has kinda of just gone in again after replacing Eddie, so pressure game and got a good win. Yeah, got a great win. Just goes to show no win no wins in the league, Anthony going into this game. But I just feel sometimes when they play each other, Antrim's leashes, the carries, the there's always one game in them. And Trader, to his credit, had said that he was missing a load of players with injury. But God, he had him back last weekend and they shocked Antrim in Panel Park. I watched the game, watched the highlights. It was a great entertaining game, high scoring. Delighted for Cheddar, to be honest with you. Um, but it's a bit of a setback for Antrim. But look, they've had a fantastic year, so they have. But again, Cheddar is looking forward to a draw next week against Waterford. Good, good winner right off for Cheddar and the lads fair play to him we had, a, we had a big game down here at the weekend as well with the 20s winning the All-Ireland which was a massive massive boost for Cork Hurling um, did you get to see it? yeah Anthony what a game um, I think Cork got off to a great start um, so they did really won the game there. but Dublin to their credit came back Cork were obviously I said to you last week we would play them in a challenge game there a couple of weeks ago and they really looked the real deal they're fantastic players so they have down the middle were very strong goalkeeper was strong you know full forward the way they used the ball was brilliant point I can assure you they're big strong men you know so they were yeah. cock hurling cock hurling is there's nothing wrong with cock hurling and I can assure you within two years these lads and they'll come on they'll come off from this game and I was very impressed with Dublin the way they came back and the way Aaron, Alan Connolly there the way he can bounce the ball what a goal they got like the hand pass inside I thought it was well worked but the space they had to deal with Dublin. But again, it's an entertaining game. I was delighted for Cork to get a win under their belt, but I was disappointed for Dublin because they stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. By and they only lost by four, four points in the end, like you know, it's Cork's day. I'm delighted for Pat Ryan, his management yeah, team. Yeah, no, yeah, 
that's the thing for me. Like that's it. Like I just thought that it's actually great for both counties. Been fine. They both needed it, but us down here, I think everyone in Cork knows how good Pat is. Um, the best thing Pat did is he got a great management team around him. Uh, Don Lomagny, who was involved with us, actually he was one of my goalkeeping coaches for years. Became a selector under John Moyler. Uh, Brendan Cohen would have hurled years years ago from all, and Wayne Sherlock is obviously an unbelievable man. So that's the big thing. Like, and I suppose that they're probably not being lined up, but. I suppose will eventually the Cork public and I suppose County Board will be looking at maybe Pat stepping into the to the senior job if he ever wants it. But Pat's been Pat's been unlucky in life with his his uh, illness, like you know. But uh, hopefully he's over the better of that, and uh, he's a great man. He's worked very close with him in seventeen, and uh, he he was a top top man and a gentleman and very very forward thinking. So you could see that with the twenties in as well. Yeah, and he came over to us after the match, been in Spridge there, and uh, he made a speech to us like you know what it means to win with your club and everything like that. And he was outstanding, outstanding ten minute talk. It was better than any any post match interview. It was absolutely outstanding for the players to have listened to him. What a man! I've got most respect for the man. I hope he's all healthy and everything like that. And he's putting pressure on Kieran Kingston. Let's be honest about it, because they're playing again now next next weekend, next week again, like you know, with another strong team. So I think that's the third dollar in, in, in a row for Cork. So you know, whether you're winning or losing, you're still competing at you, which is massive for Cork hurling. Yeah, it was big. It was big. It was big. No, it was great to get the win. So looking forward ahead to the weekend, then we obviously have the two heated balls in the drive rear. It seems to be Claire and Wexford and Lone and Davy. Whoever's doing those draws is after getting a nice little bonus in their back pocket. Like obviously we've got the the provincial finals, right, which are going to be absolutely massive. But the one thing about the provincial finals, whoever loses gets another crack of the whip. Like you know, this one is the one, and this is no disrespect to Watford and Leash. I think look, we can all kind of see the Watford will probably pull through that one. But Claire and Wexford, Lone and Davy, the close contacts in the league. Everything you couldn't build it up any better. I think it's going. I'd be more interested in what's going on the sideline than what's going on the field. Yeah, I said it briefly, Cameron, especially on the two boys. I'd say Sky will definitely have a camera on the two boys just to watch them um, because it's going to be interesting. Like, you know, we all know the ins and outs with Davy and, and Lowen, so we do. Like, you know, but going on to the game, I think it'll be a fantastic game. Clear in a better position than they were last year. And I think the pressure is going to be on Clear coming into this game because with the referee's decision that time, they're in the driving seat against Tip and they would probably would have won the game, would they wouldn't they? People some people say they would have, other people don't, but again, Wexford are waiting here on the long grass for for, for Lowen's team, like you know. But it's gonna be intriguing. It's gonna be a massive game of holding. I can't wait to sit down Saturday and watch it's pretty two games around at one time, if I'm being honest with you, like you know, but um you know it's it's, it's disappointing. One, it, it is it's disappointing Anthony because and plus I suppose I feel too like if Clare do get beaten the weekend, they're gone. And Warford do beat Leash yeah. and they're still in the championship. So there's a, there's, it's a bit strange if I'm, if I'm being honest I thought the draw should be made last Monday week the way the teams would have two weeks to prepare I know um, Leash and Antrim were playing with respect, with respect to them I think there were tickets now this week and who's going to get tickets it's a lot of pressure on players going into the week of a match if just done the week before there'd be less pressure but again what a game for, for I, I think, I think that, that, like, the, one, the one thing we don't speak about like, and it's, it's, it's handy to say it now like, but as a player you can common sense at times is the one thing that needs to be looked at like Make the draw. The winners of Leash and Antrim play, play Watford. That's it. Draw done. As you said, family can get their lives organised. Tickets can be organised. They know that they, it's either going to be on in Port Leash or it's going to be on wherever. Absolutely 100%. Um, and that was the one thing. But the, the strange thing for me is how the two games are, are, are running like opposite each other. When like It's not as if there's, there's going to be many hurling games at the weekend. You know? like if they could put them both on you know, one in the evening, one, one early on, which they have, like it's just, it, it was a bit of a strange one for me as well. Yeah, Because, look... Not every person can go to the games. Unless you've GA go here, you won't you won't get to see the, the Leash and Waterford game, like you know, and it's a pity because look, Waterford will win the game at this be honest about it, but Leash will give him a hell of a game. Cheddar Plunkett two years last year when they under eighty yeah. they, they, they they beat Dublin in a in a championship game, so they won't have nothing to lose going into this game. So they haven't, like you know, but I think Waterford are well well worn for this game. They have to perform the next day. 
uh, and go on to the quarterfinals, like you know. But um, again, it's 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 not it's not going to be as easy as people think. I think Cheddar will come out. He won't do what he did against Wexford, as in soak them all back the field and, and take and the way Wexford no, them up. I don't no. think he'd happen. He's surely done no. from that. But um, no, again, they, would, they went fifteen and fifteen last against Antrim, and even getting like I word I was speaking to one or two of the lads that know about it, and the players were thrilled to be able to go fifteen and fifteen. So I'd say like you know they'd be looking forward to that thing as well. The Munster and Leinster final in is obviously I wouldn't say that they're they're uh, what would they say uh, undercards or for anything like that because of the Clare and Wexford draw. But like you've got Limerick and Tip and you've got Dublin and uh, Kilkenny. Limerick and Tip then briefly. What do you think? Yeah, um, Limerick got two twenty two last night in twenty wides. Do you know? So Coyley is. It, I looked at John Coyley's reaction at the final whistle was just to get over the line against Cork because they were a dangerous opponent. Um, a very dangerous yeah. one. I don't think their forwards will be as bad the next day. There were four of their forwards that started the All Ireland taking off. I don't think they'll be as bad. I'm going for Limerick. Um, tip struggled a bit Limerick over the years, and just think that it's it's Limerick's day for for three in a row next weekend to make to make history again. Yeah, the one thing about Limerick for me, and uh, quickly, is that like the, the only game that they hit their heights last year was against Waterford. They didn't stumble over the line, but they allowed teams stay involved last year. Galway. They allowed, I think, uh, you know, apart from the Tipperary game and the horrendous conditions on a party Kiev. But if Limerick hit their heights, I don't think anyone can beat them, right? I, I, that's my own opinion. Um, but Limerick, even the last against Cork, were fearful of the Cork attack and sat back a little bit and put a lot of balls wide and stuff like that. I think they created two goals and 42 chances still while not hitting their, their first, you know, the fifth gear or whatever like that. But it, it'll be interesting, plus interesting starting teams and stuff like that, you know. But yeah, I'd agree with you there on, on, on that one. The big one for me in Leinster, in, uh, Dan, do you think the double bit back to back performances um, up against Brian Cody's Kilkenny? Yeah. Um, again, Anthony, boy, you'll be reading this and reading that and watching the games and watching previews, but Kilkenny, I think they're, they're in, a, in, in the hot seat here. I think they'll, they'll TJ Reid. Dublin won't fear him. I, I, I think the, the way Dublin played the last day, you must give Matty Kenny and his selectors unbelievable credit to do that to Galway. But I think the cat, the, 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 the rabbits out of the hat here for, for Dublin, like you know, whereas Brian Cody can see this now, they'll be favourites. Kilkenny, Dublin have nothing to fear. They they'll um, go in there again, having a great chance. But I just feel Kilkenny at to get to the semi final. They're another, they're three games away from another being another champions, like you know, and that's the way they look at it down 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 Kilkenny one way or another. Let's not forget it. a Leinster medal. You know, for these young fellas that are starting out in life, is a massive medal as well. I know TJ might have eight or nine of them, but for the young fellas starting. He's young. Same for the Dublin lads, but and coming on the on the back of their under twenty performance last week, which Dublin hurling is on a high. But again, I just feel Kilkenny Anthony for me won't won't leave the half forward line dominate Dublin half forward line dominate as much. And I think that the, the Owen Cody's, the TJ Reeds, the younger lads will trouble that Dublin defence. Yeah, Cody some man to be fair, like losing Colin Finley over the winter as well, and there was all there was rumours of what happened inside in the tunnel after the game last year. There was fisty cuffs and fellas telling each other off, and then Colin Finley walks away, and all of a sudden you're thinking Kilkenny don't stop him, but God, Brian Cody just gets him right again and has him another Leinster final. And they're just you know, they're just a machine, like they're just a machine for hurlers. Now you'd be closer to them than we would like, but Jesus Christ, the respect that Brian Cody has, has gained all over the country with whatever kind of teams he puts out, they always stand a chance. But the Alex Ferguson, man, so, man. Alex Ferguson, hurling, he's just absolutely the hunger. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you could hear him on the line last last two weeks ago, Anthony, the way he was in, encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. Do you know, credit the man, credit the man to keep going and he want, and his willingness to change the way he started the game, the way it's played now, it's unbelievable. Credit Brian Cody for that. 
Yeah, it was funny. He was actually he was doing an interview before the game the last day, and I was standing on the sideline. You could see that he did like Kilkenny, like, and it was like all in the final 2015 T-shirt on him with banished door in the back, like you know, there was no frills like still a 2015 jersey, like do you know what I mean? Like he could have requested a new one off Glen B in the morning or whoever sponsored him. That 2015 all in the final, and he's standing doing the interview, and uh, he's a I was I, was, I don't know what I mentioned before. I was lucky enough to meet him, like, and Jesus Christ, he's a towering man, and he's an absolute gentleman as well, like you know, so passionate and speaks so well as well. So he's um he's a, he's he's some man. So man, but so that's the weekend of hurling. Anyway, it should be interesting, like and it'll throw up a big one. But like just to finish off, like will Brian Lohan or Davy Fitz stay on the field for the seventy minutes? No mind the players. Will one of them be sent to the stand, or will there be any fisticuffs in the sideline? I think I think Anthony, whoever will win the battle on the line, it'll be fair share. I don't think Lohan is that that, <laughs> that type of man. As in, he's yeah. a passionate man, as I said to you, boy. He's up and down the line there, but Davy really want to win this. I just think Wexford are in a better position than they were last year, like you know, and you know the draw to Cork or Galloway and the winners like you know so it's going to be intriguing it's going to be interesting they'll definitely Sky will definitely have a camera on the two boys to see who'll be up and down the line more but again um, I can't wait to sit down and watch that anyway yeah no it's been built up perfectly in fairness so with the whole like the Wexford or Wexford naming two Clare players as close contacts and none of their own and Lohan was boiling for weeks after that and you could see him in his interviews like you know he was uh, apoplectic nearly with the, with the, with the, with the anger but it, it, it couldn't be a better draw I, I still question the whole drawing thing like how the hell they got drawn against each other again but it's setting us up for a cracking week of hurling so that's the that's the, the hurling chat done anyway uh, we're lucky enough to have um, Zach Brady coming on after the break so tune in and uh, we'll see you soon You're listening to Lovely Hurling, in association with Zest Active. All right, well, welcome back. Um, I'm going to try and do my best Mahal or a Hurtig impression here and say, with a man from Iraq living in Dublin, hurling in Leitrim. Zach, welcome to the show and thanks a million for coming on. So... We're just going to be quiet, Zach, myself and Dan, um, and we're just intrigued to hear your story. I know you've done a few interviews before. Um, I'm not even going to try and attempt to be as good as Tommy Tiernan with you. So um, just such an interesting story, Zach, and it's not just with sport. It's just the whole life and everything like that and how you fell into the gym and everything. So you might just let us know how it started and how it began. And again, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, lads. Um, well, where do I start? Do I start in... <laughs> Where my parents started, or do I start in Leitrim? Or do I... Yeah, like, yeah, no, start from the start, start from the start, because, like, the one thing about us is that, like, you know, like, your story's so interesting, like, and, like, I suppose we're here in Ireland and we take a lot of stuff for granted that you wouldn't have had or you would have experienced that we wouldn't have known about. So, from the very beginning, as much as you want to dig into detail, it'll be, I, I'm, I'm more of a fan here now listening to this, like, I'm gonna, I just want to be quiet for the next half an hour and listen to you. So, from the start, I suppose, where yourself, you started off your life and, and uh, and uh, I suppose you, you you were involved like you were born in around the the Iraqi war like and Jesus it was just it's just an incredible story. Yeah, so my parents are uh, from we say Kurdistan of Iran, but um, well, unfortunately we don't have a country where one of the largest ethnic minority in the world without a country. But um, in the nineteen twenty in the nineteen twenties, uh, Kurdistan was divided between four countries uh, between. Turkey, Iraq, and Iran, and, and Syria. But um, as you see, back in the 1920s, there was no such thing as Iraq, you know, or Syria. These countries were just made up by the Brits and the French. And then uh, we were promised a country, but then unfortunately, we never got one. 
by by the Brits and the French. But then, um, so we ended up divided between four countries. So I would actually have a relation that lives in Kurdistan of Iraq. And then my family, my uncles and all live in the Kurdistan of Iran. Literally, you know, me, my parents are all farmers and my grandparents farmers all, all last hundreds of years. But then um, I'll keep the sh- uh, story short. But then in the 19, when the Iraq-Iran war started in 1980, and about 20, 20 to 50,000 yeah, Kurds, you know, Iraq invaded Iran in 1980. But then when the Iraqi soldiers obviously um, took over the the province uh, where the village where my parents were, so they were told to move on. Obviously, um, their house back then was getting bombed. You know, if your house is getting bombed, rockets uh, falling on, to- on top of you, you're not going to stay. So my parents, at the time, there was only about uh, only my sister and me bro were born in Iran. I think three of them were born in Iran. So, so they just grabbed their kids and gone, and they were told to move to Iraq. And then even uh, my granny, uh, a rocket fell on her, and she was she was par- paralyzed from her from her shoulder. Her whole arm was like in a sleeve all her life for the next forty years after. And so then. We ended up in a, they ended up in a refugee camp then, well, it was a, they just turned into a refugee camp, obviously, you know, in a, in Iraq. So they ended up in Kurdistan of Iraq. So they were told to move on from there because the war was there. So they were moving to Ramadi place in the, in Iraq as a province of Iraq. And they ended up staying there for 20 odd years in the refugee camp. And they only thought they were going to stay there for a couple of months. But then that war went on for eight years. I say about two million people died in that war. And then as the war was going along, obviously I had other brothers and sisters were born, born in the refugee camp, myself as well included. And then, uh, and then obviously there was no, for that 20 odd years, there was no diplomatic relations between Iraq and Iran. So we were kind of, we were like, uh, political prisoners really you know i wouldn't say we're refugees but at the same time you're political prisoners europe you know the way like they're holding you like like even through the years iraq and iran they were they were swapping people for soldiers you know at the both sides of the country Jeez. you know and that would have went down for years you know and yeah so then in the 19 uh, in 1988 my my parents actually decided uh they, they tried to sneak back into uh, there was a, a lot of other families as well, you know, my other uncles done the same, they snuck back into Iran, and that time was the height of a war, you know, it was dangerous, because if you, a lot of people were took a gamble, a lot of people would have snuck back in through the mountains, you know, and we're full of mountains up there, you know, where we are, where we're from, and a lot of people, you're going through landmines, and anyone got arrested could have been hanged, or, you know, for done for spying, you know, and you could have been done for, you know, but then... And then when they, in 1988, when my parents were going to uh, move back, and we were actually, they stayed in a place called Halabja. And in 1980, the same year, it was the same week, you know, and that uh, that, that whole village, province, uh, was uh, was uh, chemical attacked by the Iraqi regime. And 5,000 Kurds died in, in one day. 
and uh, and then and that and my parents were very close so to that area, you know. So then the minute they heard what happened, so they came back to scratch one back into the refugee camp again in in uh, in in in, in Ramadi. So they kind of and so they were just Jeez. stuck there. Then we were stuck there in two thousand and two, and then and then because they had to move, so and at the same time that time in nineteen eighty eight, there was a lot. There was the even the Saddam Hussein and his brothers, obviously back then it was a dictatorship country as well. It was like, when you're looking at North Korea, like Kim Jong-un, it's the same thing, same, no difference back then over there, you know. But then, so a lot of people, uh, so I'd say about hundreds of thousands of Kurds got killed that year by the Iraqi regime. And then many more thousands fleed. Like there's about two... I reckon there's about 3 million Kurds in Europe and just all, all over prosecutions and, you know, they've, they've gone through between, you know, Syria, Iraq, Turkey, you know, but then no one ever talks about it. The only people talk about the Kurds are our own history. It's us, you know, but nobody else. Yeah. If a Palestinian children gets killed, one gets killed, the whole world is talking about it. It'd be all against Israel. But there's... Uh, but then, uh, but for the last hundreds of years, Kurdish people, you know, genocide, you name it, everything has happened to them and no one talks about it. And that's why the Kurds, we always use the word that uh, we have no friends but mountains and, and the mountains have saved the Kurds, you know. And it just, it's just the Kurds, when we look back at history in the 19, in when Iraq was, uh, Iraq was created and the Kurds, the Kurdish people, of Kurdistan and northern Iraq didn't agree with the, the colonization of the British Empire, you know, back in the 1920s. Um, the Kurds would, you know, the rebels would keep fighting the Brits. And then in the 19, what is what, in the 1930s, 40s, then Winston Churchill um, said, if them Kurds don't come off the mountains, we'll just bomb their villages and uh, and then, you know, and then turn them into refugees, put them in tents, and the rebels will back down. And that actually worked, you know. And so then it's Iraq was, close. you know, then they become part of Iraq, you know. And but people forget. Oh, it's, 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 no, I'm saying it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible story. Like it's just like, like you can see, you see that you're so passionate, obviously, about your own, your, your history and everything like that as well. But to hear the effect of your of, of your family like you know they had to move around like as I said like we were discussing before you came on there like we're here in Ireland and we have we think we've complaints we don't have complaints at all like you know when you hear stories like that like and that's why we're delighted to be able to and, and what would your childhood have been like um, Zach like what were your first memories or what was your whole growing up like you know because obviously as I said here in Ireland we would have like we would have first world problems like you know we're not getting you know but like you obviously had to to live live a life differing to any other Irish child like you know um, which is completely different. Like when I look at it now, I, I always say I think Irish people we live like we live like kings over here, you know. But then, but we don't appreciate it. We actually do. We do. We live like if we compare Ireland to any country, countries in the Middle East or in, you know, like even look at Iraq is one of the richest countries in the world with the with the wealth and oil, the money they're bringing about ten billion dollars a month just in oil you know but just because of war and corruption and you know it's you know but they don't they don't live in a good life you know you, you could you know you're driving along and you're 
someone could blow your car up, you know. It's uh, but that's you know, but we don't realize we actually do live like kings over here. And I know we have, you know, even if you're homeless in Ireland, you still get fed. You still get to put in, they put you in a hotel. You get somewhere to sleep, you know. And sometimes we don't appreciate that, you know. You know, but I'm only trying to compare it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, I'd love to know, like, I'd love to hear a couple of stories about your growing up, or about your, your story growing up, because, as I said, like, that, like, 100%, and I put my hand up and say, I take it for granted, and I took it for granted, and the things that I'd have complained about to my family, like, about not getting stuff, you know, is pure, typical, any Irish child, like, you know, but, like, 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 what would have been your early memories before you, you came to Ireland, like, is there any standout, like, incidents or stories or anything that, like, would just show, like, how, how, how differing it was to Irish people? I say when we were, when I was going to school, we were only going in for two hours a day and you just go in and you'd be, you know, well, everything was, you know, and you go into the, like, I still have them memories when you go in, there'd be a picture of Saddam Hussein in every classroom in the school and, and it would nearly be all about him. And if you're going to school, like, like you'd never be able to say one bad word about Saddam, you know, in school, everybody, it was like everybody, the whole country was brainwashed, you know and it was a real propaganda country you know and like even you're at home you're turning on the telly it was just 24 24 7 saddam hussein and everybody wanted to be like him and outside the school outside the school like you're talking about going to school and stuff like outside the school like we'd have gone playing hurling we'd have gone playing soccer we'd have gone playing whatever we wanted like like you were saying you grew up in a refugee camp uh you went to school for your two hours what was outside the school like what did you get up to or what was the day like or oh out like outside school it was um it was freaking, it was just like because and outside school it was like a lot of times we would kind of sleep during the day you know like during the day people just slept because it was so warm it was like 45 degrees 50 degrees like you couldn't hack the heat so people would go out in the evenings you know gets a little yeah, bit yeah. more you know tiny little bit colder as they say you know but yeah, yeah. um but it was just we just played Football, like it could be a thirty of us, forty of us playing soccer in our bare feet, you know, it'd be no runners, no nothing like that. We just play along and you know, and we killing each other as well. But then, you know, it'd be all over like you know, we're free or something. But but the memories, <laughs> but, but then, but um, but but when I look on back, it's um. When you look on back, like when there was a thirty of us played and there was no, when we barely had anything, we just. A football we were just happy to have a football and you know everybody fighting over one ball you know and we just play a match and play 11 against 11 and whoever won stayed on the next team we'll be playing for five hours and then when i'm comparing to ireland and if you had geez, if you had 13 30 lads hanging around here in the state in dublin or anywhere they nearly turn into a ghetto you know and we're always making excuses <laughs> up for them oh and the way they're brought up the way you know sometimes i'd be like no no excuse for all that you know because um, sometimes in this country we, we we create excuses, you know. We give, you know, there's, we're creating too much excuses for people, you know. But um, uh, yeah, so like, there's there the kind of small memories like that, you know. And then um, yeah. you know, but like it was sometimes I miss it out as well, you know, sure. because every day you were there. You know, every month there'd be one of them lads be gone out of the group, you know. They were they were being relocated around Europe somewhere, you know. And then you're like, Oh, when are we next? 
Do you know what I mean? So it was kind of like the group just got uh, the group lads used to just play. It was getting smaller all the time. Yeah. You know, and even like because we were in a refugee camp, even the people that live the borders down, and anyone from the top house they were moving to Australia to say they were getting relocated after you know two or three years of interviews, and they were gone. So whoever was down the bottom was moving up, and you were making oh, new no, friends yeah. again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And come here. How about the how about the, the move to Ireland? Like how like how how did this all come about and how did it happen and like, what were your memories of that then? Um, it was I remember like we were going for an interview like the whole family. Um, it was we came here as a as a political refugees program refugee, and it was um, so I well like we could actually we could have been coming into Ireland earlier. But then, but then because my dad ended up in prison and he, he was in prison for about 15 months and the whole delay, you know, over there was just a propaganda country. So you couldn't read it. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of delayed it a lot because he used to, he got a job. He made a few Arab friends over there and we were course. So a lot of the people in the refugee camp made friends with, you know, Arabs. It's all because it was all Arabs, you know, you're surrounded by, you know, and so he got a job there and then after a while they were just working mad hours and they weren't getting paid so over there because it's not like here you work for a company you have the union or you have this and that over there it was different you worked for the government it was a you know a big you know a dictatorship you know it's um anything yeah, earned yeah. was going to saddam's pocket you know building new palaces yeah yeah but um so he ended up in prison there and then that kind of delayed the whole lot um and they were kind of actually ended up in you know even he ended up in Abu Ghraib, is the biggest uh, prison in Iraq, and there's where all the torture and all that happened with the, the after the American invasion. So I kind of have memories of that as well when I used to visit the prison when I was younger. You know, it was just mad memories as well. You know, and but um, yeah, so we um, so we ended yeah, so we ended up coming. Then we got a few interviews when we that got out, and then we were able to get sort of paperwork out, and then. We came to Ireland then in two thousand and two. Was it a was it, was it a welcoming was it a welcoming um, arrival or how was it for you? Did you fit in straight away or was it hard worker? Um, but, but the only thing was there was Kurdish people that were here. They were in the same refugee camp and they would have came two or three years before us. So, okay. yeah, yeah, so I remember like even. Um, because we used to be asked, we didn't, be honest, I didn't know what fucking Ireland was, just be realistic here, you know. We just thought we were going to England or America, it was just England we thought, you know. <laughs> but that's why, you know, because when, when we went to school yeah, yeah, there, yeah. we didn't learn anything about other countries. It was all, all we knew was yes, yes, of course. Iraq versus America and Britain a war. That's all you hear, Iraq were going to win, you know. And that was just the typical, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what you, like, that's the way you were educated in school and, you know, you were brought up, you know. Mm. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, when we when we arrived in, uh, it was two, 4th of July 2002, but obviously we were traveling on for about a day nearly going to Jordan through the desert. We stayed in Oman in Jordan for two nights and we ended up in Frankfurt. And by the time we, I'd say, when I woke, like, all I remember was just like we're 10 minutes, you know, in Dublin Airport and I could just see it was just everywhere. It's just so green, you know, when you're looking out through the window. Yeah. yeah. And then... But Iraq was completely like a desert and just um, full of oil, you know. That's what you're surrounded by, you know, in Iraq, you know. But um, the, the real, um, 
I remember just when we landed here, it was just like two different smell because you're just we're used to so used to smell of petrol and oil and gas. You know, the rack is full of it. You know, you get more oil than water over there. You know, but um, yeah, and then um, so when you come, Ireland just so green and just so you know, it just it was like coming into heaven or something. You know, it, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful, you know. It was just until you felt the weather, until you felt the heat. Oh, the heat then, yeah. <laughs> and, they said, and it was lashing rain. When, when we actually arrived, it was lashing rain, and, and someone said, this is, this, <laughs> this is the summer. We're like, what? <laughs> What's the winter like? <laughs> Come here, there was a funny story. You just got into that one there, but you go into the shop, and was it your dad said you could get whatever you wanted, was it? Yeah, it was only, yeah, it was only about 11 or 12. It was just 11 at the time, yeah. We're walking down in the Carrigan Shannon, and... Obviously, with two, me two little bro and me, me mom and me dad, and and then like my dad would have been a kind of a bit more. Um, he would be he would have been a kind of a bit you know old school, a bit religious, you know. Oh, don't drink, you know. But then, yeah. but then like I remember majority of these people in Iraq, they all drank when when it was illegal, you know, them areas in Iraq, certain areas is illegal to drink, you know, and um, they would drink that. The hard stuff, the whiskies, you know, the Scott whiskies. Yeah, but yeah. um, but um, when I came over, my dad was like, "I'll get whatever you want," you know. And like at the time as well, like we didn't really know if they were. Alcohol. I just thought we'd look at it as like a can of coke, you know. So like, originally, brothers was going for a Bulmers, I was going for a Budweiser, Guinness, and it was just like by the time he got the fucking can, they down the road, you're walking, <laughs> finished, and then. And then, and then a bit like you know but um and then martin kniff then was like you know coming in and giving out to me parents and parents didn't know what they were saying anyway well like martin was just a gentleman you know like a typical country man old school you know oh it's no geez, you can't you can't be geez you can't be drinking jesus christ you have to be over 18 you know <laughs> and then um we made good friendship but um but I think as well, the, the thing was as well, they kind of knew, we were only new in the town as well, you know, down the country is a bit more, everybody knows if you arrive in the town. We've something in common, we've, we've something in common, Zach, I would have caught drinking myself underage as well, but um, I can assure you, I knew what my father was telling me <laughs> by the end of it, so that's what I mean, so, uh, <laughs> but, um, it's an amazing story, Zach, it's an amazing story. Come here. Yeah, it's giving out about small things over here, but yeah. to see see what you've been through there is hats off to you and your parents and your family, boy. And you know, it, it, it's it's just mind boggling what you go through to to get here and where you've come from. What you're doing, I was look utmost respect for you, boy. Utmost respect. And the funny thing is, like you went through all the dangers and all the hassle, and you decided to take up hurling, like. Jesus Christ, can you tell us how you got into hurling, like, you know, go from the frying pan into the fire, like, how did you get into hurling, so, or what, what was the, what was the whole reasoning behind getting into hurling, and what, why was it hurling rather than soccer, or Gaelic football, or rugby, or anything else? I played, um, see, when I actually arrived then, so I started off playing, was, was Gaelic first, and I started off, and then the first, you know, week, and then, um, Enda Stenson, who's the chairman of Leitrim, uh, the Leitrim County Board. Um, at the time, he was going back nineteen years ago. I think he was kind of the club coach going around Leitrim, and then, but um, so he kind of started off playing Gaelic, and I remember like he arrived in school, like you know, he was like oh, solo, and I was like solo, like soccer, you know. And he's like, no, no, he can't. <laughs> and just kind of in the English, I couldn't speak English really as well, you know. It's hard, you know, trying to communicate, and um, and then 
Martin uh, Martin Knivs, young fella then, Clement. So he would have been only about 18, 18 19 at the time, 19, 20 at the time then. He was doing a bit of GPO, you know, promote, promoting her in the primary schools and, yeah. and Carrie and Shannon. And this kind of just, just kind of the kind of kind of started off there. I remember it was just kind of like underground hurling and pulling. And it was trying to trying to show us how to hit the ball. And but at that time, everybody because Clement was playing with Leitrim and all the lads kind of knew who he was and they were looked up to him, you know. But um, uh, yeah, so I just kind of was just kind of kind of I was just kind of like but the Gaelic. I picked it up very quick, you know. After I say after three or four weeks, I picked up the Gaelic very quick enough as well. It's just I find that it's easier. I just think hurling is the it's a difficult game, you know. What when you're trying to show young kids, even now I've been coaching kids in Thomas Davis for the last years. So I started with the kindergarten when I was fifteen, you know, and I've been doing just coaching since nonstop. But um, sometimes do you, do you love it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and I get uh, I get I get I get a good crack out of it as well. And I love you know seeing you know lads that are um, they can't play you know, and then a couple of years time they t- they come out to be the best players in the team, you know, and sometimes I've not... Do, do you find do you find with your story, like, the fact that, like, obviously you didn't know what a Hurley was, you didn't even know what Feckin' Ireland was, to be honest, like, and you didn't know what a Hurley was, so next you had to start from scratch. Do you think that that helps you with the younger kids that are maybe the ones that aren't being spotted, the ones that are struggling to pick it up? Do you think that that helps you with them? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does a good bit. But, um, see, sometimes I would have different mentality than some of the coaches you know i think some of the coaches here like even under 12 13 now it's in dublin it's just nearly it's all about nearly winning 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 you know yeah and then i remember yeah. We, yeah. we went out there i'll give you an example there we went out played a under 15 uh, uh i helped out under 15 horrors i trained them so we went out we went out played a, a league match in thomas davis you know against for the failure for the runner up to play in division one failure you know and we had 22 players you know and then and it's a you know and then we went about 16 points up you know 15 minutes ago and i said jeez we have to give the the subs a game you know <laughs> like so i said you know we we'll have to give them and they were like no no this isn't i was like no it's not fair you know it's just you know because we want to keep them as well you know playing you know absolutely so i decided right we stick on the five uh, we stick on the five lads. We stuck on, put on five subs with the game. End of his raw. And for everyone nearly killing me there. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But then I'm like, I know. If I, I, I'm like, we have to, you know. You know, I know, I know. You have to give these lads a chance. And you have to because in, like, like and I could see kids, you know, like, you know, between 13 and 15, they couldn't hit a ball, and now they're one of the best players on the pitch now. You know what I mean? That's great. So I'm like, you have to just keep playing then, because a minor, some of these lads will take a massive stretch, you know, and then some of them turn into 100%. a, you know, yeah. I, I, like, I'm I'm all about just, you know, let them play, like, you know, I, I always say, like, even Thomas Davis, with the lads, I'm always like, you have to give these lads a game, keep them in the club, keep them playing, hurling and football. When it comes to minor then, that's up to them what they want to play hurling or football. And now, the 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 big issue we have, and the, even I've noticed in the club, it was used to be we used to they used to always promote football, right? It was all just football. Thomas Davis was just football. But then in the last like well oh even up to two thousand and three, I think Thomas Davis only had thirty teams. So now they don't think this year we have over ninety teams in the club, you know, and we have a Jeez. we have a hurling team in each in 
in every age from under seven, eight, nine, yeah. ten, the whole way up. And they're promoting it. And um, but now the football have done well over it as well because they're playing in the club week in, week out, and we're keeping them away from other sports. And come here, you had enough travelling from Iraq to Ireland. You now travelling from Dublin to play hurling for Leitrim, and then back up to Dublin to play club hurling as well. How does how does that fit in the schedule? Like, and like, why did you decide to stay hurling with Leitrim, and uh, how do you find it? Um, yeah, so I actually kind of just stepped away this year because of work. You know, we just got you know too busy yeah, with yeah. work, and it, I think one of the main reasons was just the travelling was there. The traveling was just a killer, you know. The traveling is just you're doing three nights, and it's that's your three, your two evenings gone, and you're going on a Saturday. And I used, I used to work weekends, twelve hour shifts, and every time we had to, you know, play a hurling yeah, match, well, take a holiday, yeah. take a holiday, take holidays, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, it got to a stage I was like, I think it's just the body was just getting tired, you know. And I, I was trying to play with club as well, and then, you know, and I, I said to myself, I just kind of need to, you know, I need to just. Take a step away this year, anyway. But um, yeah, it's um, playing with Leitrim as well. It's the same thing because I had Martin Kniff as a as a manager from under Tortains on in, in Leitrim and Hurling as well, and we just kept that connection with his with his son uh, with his son Clement. And you know, as you know, like down the country, it's everybody knows each other. It's very small, you know. But um, we just kept that connection even when I moved to Dublin. Lads, I used to play football with. Um, I used to just be in touch with them and I get down and visit whenever I wasn't playing any sport here at the weekends. And I played odd matches of banger as well, football down there. <laughs> that was when I was about fifteen, you know, for the crack. But um yeah, so I just yeah, so I just kept going up and down and I'm still I was actually down there, I went down to watch them there. They were playing the Nicky Rackard against uh Donegal. I ended up going up there Friday. I said I'll just go have a few points Friday. I'll go watch the match and I'll come home. You know, Saturday evening, so I ended up like only coming home last night. I ended up on the bear for four days, you know, because lads you'd be playing with that. Come on, we go for a point. Was it Martin Kniff supplying the drink, was it? The cans again, this again, was it? The second day is always the best day, Zach. I know, yeah, because you're only... <laughs> you're only getting going. Do you think do you think you go back into inter-county hurling, Zach, or are you you're just gonna give it a break fully and concentrate on Thomas Davis and your coaching and work and stuff, or, or would you ever think of going back playing into county hurling? No, I think uh I think I'm done. I'm just kinda getting to the tor- I'm to the thirty mark now, you know. Um I, yeah, I have Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I think it's um there you know, I think it's you know, time for the younger lads to step up. It's a very young team there now, they're building it, you know. Um so it's time for the the young lads there but um i always you know do things behind the scene try to help out with sponsorship and you know chase people for money and stuff like yeah, that i gotta do that behind the yeah. scenes so do it i'll do i'll do my bit behind the scenes so um but i always get down and sport and watch them you know yeah fair play and just before we wrap up like could you just give us a quick kind of uh like was ga good to you like, did it help you? Did it, did it help you get through life? Like, because again, like we, so at the start of the show, right, we spoke about, um, we take childhood for granted. I was lucky enough to go up to Cushendall in Antrim, geez, about, was it well over 10 years ago now, I'd say. And it was almost like a religion up there. There was murals on the wall for hurling and it was there, it was their lives. And, you know, and next thing, I love hurling and I always have loved hurling and Dan loves hurling and stuff. But like, it's not that I took hurling for granted, but hurling was hurling, right? It was, it was my hobby. It was what I loved and everything like that. But next thing when I went into the glens of Antrim, like, and, like, hurling is a lifestyle up there, like, you know. 
Um, so it's not that I take it for granted, but it just opened my eyes to what people believe about it. Like, like your life since you came to Ireland, I wouldn't say revolved about GA, but like, would GA have helped you? Would hurling have helped you? And like, would you be where you are without it? Or what's the story? And I'm not trying to big up GA, but I'm just trying to say like, what does it mean to you? Um, GA hurling means everything to me. Well, I, I love Gaelic and hurling and, um, well, I've done like all the jobs and everything I've got over the years. It's all through GA. Lads has played GA, and someone knows someone, you know. Um, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I've I've done very I've I've done very well out of GA. Though, to be honest, yeah, very very well, you know. Um, and and, and same with people that are in GA clubs that are. I know it's even in Thomas Davis. Like in the last couple of years, in the last I said the last twenty years, all these. Players are playing in Thomas Davis and Tala playing hurling and football. Ninety um, percent of them are not GA backgrounds, you know. And some of them, <laughs> like, I even noticed, like, like they be uh, their lads. They play hurling with Thomas Davis on the senior team, and some of their parents have no fucking clue about hurling. You know what I mean? But the young fellas are very good, <laughs> and they're just like, "Will you give the ball?" Will you? you know, they have no clue, but they they love it because they know. They, you know, yeah. they don't even know what's going on, you know. And that was including my, my outfit. I used to come to the game. A lot of time he didn't know what was going on. But but as he, the more games he came to watch and the more he got into it, you know. And then he got to know the sky. He'd be asking me, just what's it over about one point? And it was for goal three. And then he used to be the only one actually taking the score. You know, in matches, nobody actually takes the score, you know. And, and he used to be, so everyone yeah. used to be going to me, Dad, oh, what's the score that shows that? <laughs> I, t- I, t- I, I, t- I think sometimes um, I think sometimes that's where we, we knock the GA for bad decisions but again I think the three of us here we wouldn't be here only for the GA like you know it's been fantastic it wouldn't seen the world you know so I know we are coming from Zach there but GA is for me I love coaching love being involved and I can see that in your the way you're talking to us there you love the coach and the young for us and make, trying to make them better and whether it is when they get to 18 they can make the decision themselves then to push on or not like you know but again fascinating stuff Zach yeah, like the, the one thing I'd like to say is that from my behalf is like I think the Jay should be looking to get you more involved and get people to listen to you and, and and especially young children and stuff like that as well because the one thing like I not like I try and not take things for granted like but I suppose being a spoiled Irish guy like that's always the way it's been you know and like it's just such a fascinating story about how like yeah I give out about Jay right I have given out about Jay give out referee decisions you give out everything but even your line about getting the kids on the field and do you know what? In 10 years' time, who gives a crap about that draw that she had in the failure? But two or three of those players will be on the senior panel that wouldn't have stayed at it only for those five minutes, you know? Um, I was actually lucky, a quick one to finish up, but I, I did a cool camp in Limerick there one year. And uh, this young fellow looked up to me and I said, Jesus Christ, you're cracking hurling. You play hurling at all? He said, no, no, don't play hurling at all. I said, jeez, get stuck in. And uh, I actually ended up teaching his brother. And his mother came into me to the parent-teaching meeting and just said, just to let you know, my son won a county medal under 21. And he said, the reason he started hurling was because I said that he was a good hurler. So your story, Zach, about that, like, is just, it just, you know, it rings home with people. And um, I think that, look, Thomas Davis are lucky to have you. Leitrim Hurling will be lucky to have you back in some sort of a coaching role. And the GA are lucky to have you. And I think that the more that the GA can promote people like yourself, that can give us an inspiration as well. Because you're actually after getting hairs in the back of my neck standing, talking about hurling, where I'd be giving out about stuff. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And, and uh, geez, we'll have to get you on again in the future. Fair play to you. And we won't, we'll drink cans again, it's over the next one. <laughs> I'm just going to say, Zach, I can't wait to have a point above Dublin with you. I can't wait. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll ever we're gonna get the all GA podcast on the road, Zach. You're gonna to have to be the first guest above in Dublin and then we'll go on you for the second day of it. <laughs> I I'll always be in Ryan's. <laughs> You're not here to find me. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Great stuff. Come here, Zach. Thanks a million for coming on, boy, and we really appreciate it. And uh it was just a fascinating story. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So like we said, look, we'll be trying to get more stories like Zach, um, you know, and other people that you know that are important to the GA that maybe haven't been haven't been um, tapped into at the moment, so we'll be keeping our eyes out for that. But look, that's it for episode three. A special thanks to Zach for coming on and telling his amazing story. I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Zach Active. Uh, for just seven one seventeen a day, you can get a daily super supplement with 25 active ingredients to support your energy, your immune system, and your brain and muscle function. Please subscribe and review on our podcast platforms and head to all GA and Instagram and TikTok to give us a follow. We'll be back next Tuesday with another very special guest, I'd like to thank Dan again, as always, for being uh, being the character that he is. Uh, thanks very much for everything, and uh, see you next week. I'll get it back to Dan Shanahan. Shanahan in front of the ball, puts it over the bar. Shanahan has the confidence to go.